Welcome, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of SLMA Radio. It has to do with sales lead management or sales lead marketing. It probably starts here with the SLMA Radio Show. SLMA Radio is a revolving series of programs brought to you by the Sales Lead Management Association. This week's program is Revenue Rebels. Brought to you by Demand Lab. Sponsor the program with their host, the CEO of Demand Lab, Roan Morgan. Hey, Roan. Thank you, Paul, and welcome back to another episode of Revenue Rebels. I am excited to introduce our listeners today to David Premier to talk with us about where the inside sales team or business development team should sit within an organization. Is it marketing or is it sales? Why should this matter? And I also wonder, is there a single answer to this question? David is often referred to as a sales professor, and he helps organizations supercharge their revenue growth, their people development, and culture. And he does this by combining some core principles of science, empathy, and execution. So he delivers this approach through his consulting company, Cerebral Selling, where he is founder and chief sales scientist. He has worked with companies including Vidyard, Salesforce, and Square, to name just a few. Welcome, David. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you here and really excited for our listeners to learn something. I think uh, there's a lot to be learned, actually, from everything that you do. Could you just take a few minutes for our listeners that are new to your work to fill them in on your background? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny we're here talking about learning, as you mentioned. Learning is the number one thing that I love to do. And the reason I love learning so much is because I started my career not as a sailor, but as a research scientist. The ongoing joke I always tell is that no one really gets into sales on purpose. You know, we all like people don't become doctors and accountants on purpose, but we all get into sales kind of by accident. And mm-hmm. I am no exception. Got into sales by accident at the turn of the dot-com boom. And like I said, I had this natural curiosity that I brought to sales because I started my career as a research scientist, just basically trying to learn and ask lots of questions. I found that sales, I'm sure you know, is a very interesting field, a profession, a career, because it's so nuanced. There's this element of people and process and technology and feelings, and it's changed so much. You know, like math hasn't changed that much in the last 20 (laughs) years, but my goodness, sales and the way people buy more specifically has. And so I spent the last 20 years in various sales and sales leadership roles across four startups and five amazing years at Salesforce after they acquired my, uh, my third startup. But, you know, through all that time, I've, I've always been very curious about the world of sales. And so I try to bring that to my practice whenever I have one of those moments where I kind of ask, well, why did that happen in that particular sales situation? Why did the customer react that way? How am I architecting my team for success? Why did that work? Why did that not work? I try to write it down. And hence, I've been creating a bunch of content over the years. And it's my mm-hmm. pleasure to help organizations grow by asking the why of modern selling for my practice. That's fantastic. And you know, something we'll talk a little bit about this at the end in terms of how people can get a hold of you, but everybody listening here really has to go to your website. It is filled with incredible content. So 
CerebralSelling.com is a website that I've actually been sharing with a lot of our clients and also our internal team. So amazing. Thank you so much. So let's go ahead and dig in. In your opinion, David, where do you think the inside sales team should sit within an organization? I've lived this in previous lives at various companies where this was a question. And overarching, I would say, don't fall in love, right? Like you should be, you should make the right decision for your particular organization based on your needs. But if you kind of gave me an ultimatum and said, David, you got to choose one or the other. My view is that inside sales should sit under sales, under sales. Now, look, like I said, there's lots of reasons why it should sit under marketing. But I think one of the biggest reasons why it should sit under sales is simply because of what I call the people bias. This idea that if you're an inside sales rep, a BDR, an SDR, eventually, you know, it's more likely that you're going to grow into a more mature selling role, right? You might be kind of an inside sales rep. You might be an outside sales rep. You might kind of work your way up to bigger and better customers. And again, I'm not suggesting that people at the start of their career, that's the default path they need to go down. But I'd say more of the people that are in the inside sales team will then migrate to kind of whatever you call it, the field sales team, the core sales team. And the proximity of those two resources to learn from each other, to align from a management perspective is, I think, tremendously valuable. And then the other piece I feel like in terms of alignment where it's better to have them part of the sales team is in the handoff. One of the, the biggest challenges in any kind of complex sales operation, and I say complex, you know, just if you have an inside sales team, an outside sales team, a marketing team, that's complex enough, is in the handoff, right? And so if you can have an inside sales rep who is in constant communication with their field counterparts, where there's that ongoing feedback where they can facilitate better handoffs and better communication that sit under the same leader to be able to kind of, you know, traffic cop some of these conversations. I think that is the way to go for most people. I have seen it both ways, um, seen great successes and some equally great failures. There's one organization that was led by a really smart marketer and she had the inside sales team reporting to her. And what was really fascinating to me is that when she told me this story, when it came time to vote for somebody outside of the sales organization to join their big sales meeting president's club in, in Hawaii or whatever, she was voted in the marketer who was leading the ISAs. And that is because of the impact that the entire sales organization was able to see marketing was making because of the relationship that she had and that direct link. So I'd be curious, how do you imagine being able to sort of bridge the gap then between marketing and sales? Because there's an equally important handoff, right? From marketing's team or whatever they're responsible for over to the ISA organization. How do you account for that? I think that handoff and the importance of it and the relationships that will help drive a successful handoff exist in a lot of parts of the organization, you know, whether it's from sales to inside sales, to marketing, to customer success. It sounds like the story you told, which is a great one of kind of all that, that great communication advocacy between the groups. I mean, a lot of that might actually just have to do with the kind of the dynamic between those two groups. Those particular people got along really well. You happen to have a very if I can call it sales centric marketer. And then there's certainly very, you know, marketing centric marketers. I think there's a lot of marketing centric organizations, a lot of product centric organizations. So I think a lot of that will actually influence the decision of where 
that group sits in particular. So if you're, example, very marketing focused, if there are, for example, lots of tactics and ABMs and web signups and all that kind of stuff that the marketing team is intimately involved in, maybe it does make sense for inside sales to sit within marketing. But I think biggest things that can help bridge that gap is a common language. I think a lot of times some of the tension between these groups exists because there's a disagreement over lead quality, right? You know, sales is always complaining about there's not enough leads Mm -hmm. and marketing is like, what are you talking about? We're getting you the good leads. I don't know what's going on here. And so I feel one of the best things that can happen is to have that not only a common language, right? Of like, okay, here's, here's kind of our standard operating procedure. Here's what we consider to be a, a good viable lead that you must accept, right? Without complaining kind of thing. It's great to have those examples. It's great to have that common language, but to have examples, right? And when I say examples, I mean this, like imagine you were a referee in a particular sport. Let's say you're a hockey referee. You might be uh, familiar with all the different types of penalties that you could call on players, like a tripping penalty and a hooking. I'm Canadian, right? So I'm going with (laughs) hooking and slashing and cross-checking and the whole thing. But sometimes if you were to like see a call happen on the ice, you may not call it, right? You may not interpret it the same way as, let's say, the other referee did or another player, right? And so what I mean by that is like you have to have not only examples of a common language, but also you need to have like that consistency where people can look at what's happening in their team and the marketing team and everyone should be on the same page with how that operation should go because they've seen examples, right? Like they know how to to take some of those marginal calls and run with them, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. I think that common language is really important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I completely agree with you, but I'd add to that also an agreed on language. One of the things that we see pretty often because everybody's implementing their sort of customer experience and that's grounded in a lead life cycle, which is um, embedded into your technology. And it's oftentimes related to scoring. But what unfortunately can happen for a lot of companies is that marketing is handling all of that because their marketing automation platform and the technologies that they're using to move leads from point of uh, inquiry or acquisition to sales is owned by marketing. And so too often sales isn't included early enough or even at the very first moment that they start to have those conversations. Have you seen that? Yeah. I think the other element of this is kind of the, what I would refer to as kind of like just these regular feedback sessions. You know, I think all too often we have these disparate organizations and in those organizations, they have weekly meetings and status updates and so on. But not often enough do we actually get these teams together to talk about, you know, this, to your point, the agreed upon language, you know, to, to kind of watch the videotape together and to essentially drive constant improvement in how we run our operations. So I completely agree. I love your point about the, um, the kind of the naming the, the marketing resource to the Hawaii trip. One of the things that we used to do in my sales organizations is that we would sit with other teams periodically, maybe it was every couple of weeks or every month for kind of like these status updates. And we would throw a few uh, Starbucks gift cards in the middle of the room and we would ask people from one team to recognize someone from another team and throw them a gift card. And so I think not only are these meetings helpful, again, I'm, again, I'm not advocating for more meetings. I know we all have enough meetings, but I think where you have these two groups that are intersecting so closely and working so closely together, making sure that that common language is agreed upon and, and consistent over time as definitions change and they will change is really important. 
Absolutely. Yes. So, Hey, you know what? We are already at our halfway point of this conversation. These things go way too fast for me. So let's take a quick break to learn more about demand lab. And I'll send this over to you, Paul. And let's take a moment just to tell you that Demand Lab helps organizations just like yours transform their revenue potential by connecting their greatest assets, people, processes, technology, and data through customized revenue ecosystem solutions. By leveraging marketing technology, data science, governments, and analytics, along with content, Demand Lab helps B2B organizations like yours advance business goals and drive revenue. Type in demandlab.com. That's demandlab.com. And now back to second half of our show. Thanks, Paul. Let's jump right back into our discussion with sales expert David Premier, who went from award-winning scientist, which I just really love that background, to leading top-performing sales team, to leading top-performing sales teams at high-growth startups. We're talking about where frontline sales teams, the ISAs and the BDRs of the world should be sitting within an organization. So David, as we were talking about bridging the gap and how marketing and sales can better bridge the gap to support inside sales, I know we're talking about where should they live under marketing and sales as the higher sort of context of the conversation. We talked about feedback sessions. We talked about common language. What are a couple of other tools or resources that you think companies should be considering to help bridge the gap and really help unify marketing and sales organizations through inside sales? For sure. One of the things that we were talking about earlier is this idea that in inside sales, we take our youngest, least experienced you know, people almost in the, in the organization mm-hmm. and put them on the, the front of the locomotive, the tip of the spear to talk to customers in the hopes of enticing them so they get to the rest of our organization, which is, you know, let's say more senior, more equipped to, uh, to kind of, you know, handle the, the heavier duty um, sales cycles and customer conversations. And that is obviously a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And even taking that aside, for most organizations, here's a fun little test for you. I want you to kind of go around, you know, walk around your office and ask people in various different parts of your organization, sales, marketing, customer success, support, the executive team. I want you to ask them this question. What do we do? What do we do, right? And I want you to hear how people describe what you do at your company. Chances are, if you're, now don't feel bad. Chances are, if you're like most companies, you're going to probably hear a lot of different things, a lot of different things. And imagine now that you are a young inside sales rep in an organization where all these kind of different conversations, all these different descriptions are being thrown around. You're not going to know what to say. And unfortunately, you know, where I typically will get involved with an organization, now I definitely do a lot of work on the, what do you do messaging front with companies? But a lot of times companies will come to me with issues on, you know, uh, negotiation issues or objection handling issues. And they're saying, you know, Hey, look, we're giving away these big discounts at the end of the sales cycle, or we're having a, a poor conversion rate from this step of the funnel to that step. And we don't know what's going on. And oftentimes, it starts way back at the beginning when someone asked you, what is it that you did? And you weren't able to answer in a high conviction, focused, compelling, emotionally driven way. And so the biggest thing that I would suggest to people listening is to help arm your inside sales reps with really good, and we can get into it if you want, but like not just messaging, but messaging a kind of a delivery mechanism 
so that when their prospects, when the people who are deciding whether or not they want to engage in the sales cycle with you, ask, what is it that you do? They are able to respond in a compelling, you know, emotional, you know, high conviction fashion that I would also say aligns with marketing. You should have mm-hmm. that consistent story across your messaging supply chain. Absolutely. And I do think that there are plenty of times when you will not get a consistent answer to what do we do? There will be a lot of variations. Hopefully the core is the same, but how are you going to take, you know, an inside salesperson, which is oftentimes somebody fresh out of school or or working, they decided maybe later on in life, they want to go into sales because they're really excited about it. And that's typically their entry point. How do you take them from a bit green and maybe not able to read the person on the other side of the the phone call uh, or, you know, whatever they're challenged with and bring them up to the level where they're going to be able to have that quick, compelling conversation to move somebody into the sales call with the account executive. We need to work with these people on kind of their emotional intelligence, right? Like on their, their emotional response and how to manifest the right kind of emotional response to their customers. So like to give you an example, oftentimes a young seller will get all tripped up in kind of a marketing message and a marketing pitch, right? Because it's kind of very foreign to them. And as buyers, we are very resistant to being pitched. You know, we can hear pitches mm-hmm. coming. Like when my kids come to me and you know, I, you, I can tell, like I can tell, tell the request is coming and they come to me and they're like, um, uh, yeah, so dad. And I'm like, okay, the answer is no. Right. Like what, <laughs> what's your question? Because I'm, cause you, you just get very, very resistant to pitches. But if you ask even a young seller, like, what, hey, like, what's something that you're passionate about? What is it that you love? Right. It could be a sport. It could be a kind of clothing or cars or whatever it happens to be. Right. And say, great. Talk about that. They would be able to talk about it with high conviction, without stuttering. Right. Like, because it's so ingrained into what they do and who they are. So the question is, how can we manifest the message of what our company does in that exact same way? So, you know, one of the things that certainly you could work on with those folks is kind of their storytelling ability, exposing them. For example, most of the time when a person starts a company, let's say the CEO of your particular company, there was a reason, right? Like there's that founder's journey where there's, there's like a story there, right? Why can't we have our young people find conviction in the same way they find conviction in the thing that they love to do, the thing that they believe in that story and just retell that story and practice it and learn to retell that story in a very high conviction way. That's probably the easiest way to get your message across because it's going to be through stories. It's going to be with high conviction. It's going to be something that people want to listen to. One of the things that you said just a minute ago was exposing them. And I actually thought you were heading in a slightly different direction. I'm just curious what you think about this. I think this is a bit of a high touch higher cost process. But I wonder what if we took those inside sales folks and actually let them sit in on the account executives, the experienced account executives who are living the story, who have a little more training in terms of articulating the story because they've been there longer, letting them sit in as part of the training process, rather than just plunking them down in front of a a screen, a and making the 50 calls a day or 70 calls a day, but giving them a little bit of exposure that can also get them excited to know that story. I've seen it. I've seen, you know, early phase salespeople 
do really well because they get it. Is that something you've ever seen? Have you seen companies take the extra time and has that been successful? Absolutely. It has. And it's funny. One of the things I think about, there was a, uh, a story. I'm trying to think of the book that I read this in, but it was, uh, Adam Grant, who's a famous professor at the, the Wharton School of Business in your neck of the woods there. One of the things he talked about, I think this is, was, was in uh, Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last. And it talked about this idea of abstraction. So he was working in the alumni department there and working with the inside sales team who call up former <laughs> students and say, hey, how would you like to give us money, right? For any of these monies, they're going to fund scholarships. And it's really, really great. They armed them with the playbook and here's what to say. And here's what the money is used for. And then what they did was they actually had some of the students who received scholarships from alumni donations come in and speak to the inside sales team about their lives and what the scholarships meant to them and what they were able to do. And they found that the revenue from the alumni department in that instance increased over 400%. The reason that works is a concept called abstraction. And the simple idea is that when you're hearing something secondhand, it's not all that compelling or effective. But when you go and you see it firsthand and you have a customer tell you their story firsthand, you're all of a sudden able to manifest much more conviction in your mission. It's very easy for us to do this with our inside sales teams. At my sales kickoffs, I would always have one of our customers like come in, even if it's over, you know, web or, you know, Zoom or whatever it is, and just talk to the team, share their stories, talk about what was important to them and their journey. And those stories do so much in terms of helping your team manifest the high conviction that is needed to convert customers. And that's goes back to your, um, one of your core tenets of empathy, right? And I'm sure that that also really draws out the authenticity and the excitement that, that you need in any sales conversation for sure. Yeah. We're getting to the end of this call and I was hoping you could just share maybe a few from your perspective, the top considerations either based on this conversation that we've had today or just other thinking, other content that you've written. Um, what are some of the top considerations that sales and marketing leaders need to keep in mind as they're considering where sales should sit or how best to align the organization? So I think that back to what I mentioned initially, if there is a desire for a strong degree of let's say people alignment between the inside sales team and the field sellers, either for career progression or from a management perspective, if that area needs some TLC in terms of uh, moderating the handoff process, then I feel it makes sense for that to sit under the sales organization. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're dealing with a, an organization that is experimenting a lot, let's say with their message, where for example, they, um, they want to have the agility to have the inside sales team experiment with different marketing messages without impacting the sales team. Um, you know, that presents obviously some challenges with that continuity of the message supply chain. But if there is a desire for more agility, certainly that's a great way to start. I would also say like, if there is a big issue with lead quality, where there's just a massive discrepancy between sales and inside sales in terms of what is considered a, you know, a qualified lead, then it might make sense to consider moving everything back over to marketing so that they have more control over the lead supply chain, right? There's no, there's no arguing. There's no, there's no bias because mm -hmm. everyone is, uh, is certainly in, in one organization. And then finally, I mentioned, you know, if there are some very, very detailed marketing programs that are being run such that, you know, a tight alignment with uh, inside sales makes sense. The worst thing you want is a customer to see something 
on your website or in a digital campaign and then speak to someone in inside sales who has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so if you're running a lot of those kinds of programs, then yes, it could make sense to align, you know, marketing to the inside sales organization. But I would also say totality here, like don't fall in love. Don't fall in love. It's not that when you make this decision, you're not making it for time of memoriam. Like it's, you can change it, right? As you see the tides changing, um, you don't want to change mm-hmm. it every week, every month, certainly, but this is not an, an unfixable kind of decision as you go through your sales marketing motion. Right. Yeah. You've got to be flexible. I absolutely agree. And open-minded and nobody has to own any particular area. We're all partners. Uh, we're all working towards the same goal, but in any case, you actually do need the empathy, authenticity, you need the execution. So regardless of where it sits, I suppose these are some core, core pieces of a very strong puzzle, right? To make it work. Absolutely. David, thank you so much for joining us today. I had a great conversation. I'm really already looking forward to the next time, which hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, to get on the book soon. It was great to have you as a guest on the podcast today. Hey, no, it's my pleasure. Uh, what is the best way for our listeners to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, you can always contact me through the website, cerebralselling.com, or you can hit me up uh, just over email. I'm david at cerebralselling.com. Great. And a big thank you to all of our listeners who tuned in today to Revenue Rebels. I'm your host, Roan Morgan. You can find me on LinkedIn by looking up Demand Lab or searching for R-H-O-A-N Morgan uh, on LinkedIn. Now back over to you, Paul. You've been listening to another episode of SLMA Radio. This week's show, Demand Lab. Tune in to hear all of them right here in the Funnel Radio Network. For at-work listeners like you. 